we're talking about a really tough one tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Just going to say, we're moving right along in our series in John chapter 15. We started in verse 1, and we are four weeks in, and we're on verse 6 tonight. Actually, this is week 5. Um, we're on verse 6, and we're on our way to verse 8. So we are almost to the finish line here, and over the next couple of weeks. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer at our uh, prayer and worship night as it relates to John 15, verse 7. And so uh, be looking forward to that next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, we'll finish it out on the 16th, right before Thanksgiving. So we are coming down to the end of our series. And uh, I'm very thankful. If you're here for the very first time, it's really okay. Uh, You can jump in right where we are. You don't have to know all the other talks. But if you want to go back and listen or are curious about it, if you go to the high school ministry page on Bellevue.org, Uh, All of those talks are listed there. You can actually go back and listen to some of those. If you want to hear it again, go back and uh, feel free to rewind a little bit. But all that's there on our website. Be sure to check it out. All right? Everybody got a talk sheet? Everybody got something to write with? You got your Bible open to John 15? All right, I'm going to pray for us. Father, um, we invite you into this moment. Um, I don't want any other presence but yours. I genuinely desire for you to meet us here. And Lord, as we talk about a a hard topic of what you do with dead branches, God, I pray that your spirit would guide us and lead us, help us to understand context, and help us to part your word rightly as it relates to this topic. And so God, uh, we give this moment to you. We ask that your spirit would lead me and that you would do all the talking. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this is an especially tough topic. How does God deal with dead branches? How does, what happens here? As we have been talking about this whole Abide series, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. He is on the journey toward the cross. He is spending his last moments with his disciples, and he Uh, has the Lord's Supper, and during that Lord's Supper, Judas leaves the room and is off to betray Jesus to the religious leaders. And he is going to go get paid. He's going to go get collected for ratting out Jesus and calling and false accusations and all the things. So Judas, dramatically, in this moment, The hand in the dish at the same time as Jesus, dramatically, Jesus says, go and do quickly. And Judas gets up from the table and leaves the room. And the next phrase, the next encounter at the table around with his disciples, he says this, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. He's starting an analogy that these guys understand. He is starting an analogy of dealing with vineyards. Vineyards were everywhere back then. You had olive groves, but you had wine-producing groves. You had these vineyards that were there, and they were these beautiful vineyards. They took care of them. You never saw, and even to this day, if you ever go to a vineyard, you will never see a cluttered vineyard. You will always see an immaculate one, because those that really grow those vines are very meticulous in their pruning and in their care for those vineyards. And so for Jesus to use this analogy of a vineyard is definitely something that every one of the disciples in that upper room understand. 
And so you're understanding context here and what Jesus is talking about. So in verse 1, if you have your Bible, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that you will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This is it right here. Remain in me. The word abide literally means stay. Judas has just left the room, off to betray. And he looks at his disciples and says, don't go anywhere. Don't be like a Judas. Stay. And that word abide is so powerful. It is more than just like sitting here, right? It's more than just taking up oxygen in the moment. It is a genuine communication. It is a genuine, like when you're sitting with your best friend and you just want to hang out with them all the time, that's the kind of abiding, if anything, if I can measure it, that would be the, some sort of abide. But what Jesus and what God desires out of us is not to run to the false vines, but to stay connected to the true vine. Just stay. Y'all, just stay. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Don't be like a Judas. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it here in just a minute. Because the consequences of that are dire. Don't be like him. Stay. Remain in me. And I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's your memory verse for the whole semester. Hopefully you've been memorizing that. If not, ding, ding, ding. John 15, 5. If you, remain, if you do not remain in me, this is the part where we get to. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and are burned. Dun, dun, dun. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We're going to talk about that next week. And this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. But if you don't remain in me, you're not going to bear fruit, and you're going to wither up, and the vine dresser is going to pile up those branches, and he's going to burn them. Yes, he's talking about hell. He's talking about an eternal place that is destined for all of those who will not and do not abide or know Jesus Christ. And some of you are thinking, that is probably the most harshest thing that God could do. And I would challenge you in that thought, is it? Is it the most loving thing? Is it the most just thing that we would want out of God? That he would deal with those who are disobedient, who willingly choose not to abide in God? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want him to deal with those kind of people? And I would say yes. And for us to see that in Scripture, and for us to even in our reality of what we understand about our world today, we would say, well, Steve, that's just like cancel culture. I'm just, no, that's not you can't take this earthly context and drop it on an eternal truth. 
That's impossible. And so here you are with this phrase to pile up and burn. Point number one, you ready? Dead branches are worthless and are cast out. A dead branch literally is useless. Why? It's because they have no life flowing through them. Those branches that are laying on the ground, they have no life in them. They are dead. And to the vine dresser, that's clutter. Because remember, the vine dresser loves a good, clean vineyard. And so he is going to sweep up those things. And as he sweeps it up, literally walks down the aisle of every line of vines, he is picking that up and pruning. And as he takes it to the end of the row, he drops it and then goes down the next row. Drops it, and then at the end, he comes along the side and cleans it all up, and then he lights that up to clean up the vineyard. And this is a representation of what happens at the end of life. For those that do not abide in Christ, who do not know Christ, the reality of hell is true. For those that do know Christ, those who are abiding in Christ, producing fruit, as he would say in John 15, 5, Those are blessed, and you will have communion with God in heaven. There's a great separation. There's a great divide. And many people, as they interpret this passage of Scripture, misinterpret it sometimes. But it's so vitally important for us to understand the context in which this passage is being said. Upper room, Judas just left, everybody knows the vineyard. And so here are some of the misinterpretations that I believe many of us have, is that the burned branches are Christians who have lost their salvation. They just lost it. Sadly, that contradicts, I'm going to fix the quote, a bunch of passages here. John 3, John 3.36, John 5.24, John 10.28-29, and Romans 8.1. And so that line of thinking contradicts everything that Jesus would teach about our salvation. The burn branches also may represent Christians who lose their rewards, but not their salvation. But yet, that even contradicts 1 Corinthians 3.15. And then the last interpretation, and I, and I would find this to be true, is that the burn branches refer to professing Christians like Judas that are not genuinely saved. They never were in the first place, and therefore judged. One commentator said, This passage of Scripture is a description of divine discipline rather than eternal destiny. The professing Christian, professing. Think about this. Think about Judas. Think about the life of Judas. He was never a believer of Jesus in the first place. And Jesus even knew that. In John 6, Jesus says that. He says, even though all of my disciples are around me, there is one that does not believe. Jesus knew that Judas never believed fully in who Jesus was. And so for Jesus to use this analogy, to use this passage right here, everybody is, he, Jesus is thinking about Judas. And the reality of what happens with Judas's life, after he betrays himself, he ends up going and commits suicide and spending a life in hell. 
because he was so close to Jesus but never abided in him, never truly knew him, never fully believed. And that, I believe, is the context in which the understanding of this passage really is. I believe that once you were saved, you were always saved. Now, many of us produce fruit, but not of a, some of us produce a lot of fruit. Some of us produce a little bit of fruit. And that leads to my point. I want to, before I get there, y'all know what reels are? I discovered them about two weeks ago. I, I, I may be dating myself. This is true, isn't it, Shelly? This is true. I'm sitting at the kitchen table, and I was like, reels? And I pushed the little button, and all of these reels start popping up. I was like... This is, this is pretty cool. So today, I had a moment, and I watched a couple of reels. There was one reel that popped up that grabbed my attention, and I want to show it to you. Jesus talked a great deal about heaven, but he talks three times more about hell than he did heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount, I've had fellows say, I don't believe in hell. I live by the Sermon on the Mount. Well, you've never read the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of... Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. What did he mean? He is saying that God will never send anybody to hell. If man goes to hell, he goes by his own free choice. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. God never meant that a man should go there. And God has done everything within his power to keep you out. He even gave his son to die on that cross to keep you out. I thought it was very uh, ironic that I'm teaching on hell and then, does Instagram know this? Were they listening to me? Oh, that's creepy. I just had that epiphany right now. Like, a lawsuit. Yeah, that's right. File it. You were listening. Um, I, that hit me. Because the reality is, and I love what Billy Graham says here, God would never send anyone to hell. It's only by our own volition that we would choose hell. Y'all, that's sad. And God has done everything possible, everything possible to pave a way for you to avoid hell. And he did it by sending his one and only son, paying the ultimate sacrifice. And I love what Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, I love that phrase. If I'm connected to the vine, I have the power of Jesus flowing through me. I have the very presence of God with me. He is flowing through my veins right now. And y'all, that is something to celebrate. I'm no longer dead to my sin in death of hell, but I'm alive in Christ. Praise the Lord. And so many of us in this room, I believe you have been in proximity to Jesus like Judas, but you have never believed him. You may have been in proximity to Jesus by attending church, but never fully believing in your heart. And so the next point is, is not only do dead, uh, um, dead branches 
are worthless and cast out. But the second point is there is always fruit where there is life. Amen? Amen. There is always fruit where there is life. For some, it might be little fruit. For some, it may be big fruit. But the fact is, there's fruit. And we've talked about, over those two weeks, we talked about those fruits that we bear as a part of being with Christ. I want to get you to go back and rewind if you want to go back and listen to it. It's a two-part series on all the fruit that we are to bear. It's not only the spiritual fruit that we see in Galatians 6, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control but it's also a fruit of repentance. It's a, a fruit of conduct, of speech, of praise to the one. These characteristics that come out of an abiding Christian, that's how you would know that you are bearing fruit. Some of us are great worshipers. Ah, some of us worship. But there's still fruit. There's still fruit. Some of us repent a lot, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. Sorry for that one. Sorry for that one. Some of us repent once and we're good. Some of us have little fruit. Some of us have big fruit. But the fact of the matter is, we bear fruit. And that is what the Lord is looking for. And here's what I believe. And Jesus is talking about it. He's going to prune you. For those that are bearing little fruit, guess what he's going to do? He's going to prune you. Why? Because his desire for you is not that you would be content with your little fruit, that he would want you to bear much fruit. Why? Because it is for the glory of God not for the glory of you. I think I could tweet that right there. Y'all, if you're content with your little bitty fruit, I want to challenge you. <laughs> I want to make you aware of something. The, the pruning is coming because his desire for you is not for you to be content. His desire for you is to produce more fruit. He wants you to share the gospel with people. He wants you to abide in Him in praise and in prayer and in the quiet times that you have each and every day. But it's more than just checking the box. It is all about, it's not just the 15 minutes that you have in the mornings and you check the box and, all right, I abided in Jesus. No, what would it look like for you to abide in Him all day long? To invite, you, invite Him in to the moments that you have at class or in friendships. Would you invite Him in to the moments where you're out partying with friends? Hopefully, you're not doing anything inappropriate when you're partying with friends. But what if you're out hanging out with your family? How are you inviting God into those moments? When you, when you come to worship at Exit 15, how are you inviting God into this moment? Can you imagine if all of us had that same attitude? Good Lord, there'd be a breakout that would go out in this moment. Addison, it's really good to see you. I look over here and I see this man. He's just been through the hospital for two and a half weeks, and it's so good to see him. He's a miracle right there. Um, I'm sorry I got a little distracted. Praise the Lord for Addison. Um, I, and so it, that is bearing fruit right there, y'all. I'm just saying I could tell you a story. Um, two takeaways. You ready? Two takeaways, and we'll be done. One, we have the privilege, privilege of abiding and the responsibility of bearing fruit. I want you to see those two words. Privilege, responsibility. What a privilege it is to know Jesus. 
And more than that, what a privilege it is that he knows us. He calls us by name. That his love is abounding. That his kindness, that his faithfulness is to us each and every day. What a privilege it is to have my name sealed in eternity. What a privilege it is that I get to bear his name with every step that I take and every breath that I breathe. What an honor it is that I get to share the love of Christ with those around me, not just by my words, but by my actions and how I compassionately care for the people around me. What a privilege that is that I get to walk with Jesus every single day. Y'all, some of us are, oh, I'm about to preach. Some of us don't understand that privilege and we take it for granted. We take it for granted, honestly. We're content with our spiritual life right where we are. Instead of inviting the God of the universe who knows me by name and I can't hide anything from him, that I would invite him into my heart and to my life and to my day and into my moments and let him guide me and lead me. Y'all, that's a privilege. It's an honor. He died on a cross for me. I'm going to live for him. He paid it all for me. I'm going to live for him. He loved me so much. Guess what? I'm going to love him too. It is just reflective praise of what he has done and how he's doing it. And not only is it a privilege, it's a responsibility. We are attached to the vine. And as we are attached to the vine, bearing fruit is a part of it, y'all. It's a part of it. Y'all, this is, this is a responsibility that we would, one, remain, that we would abide. There's an action statement here. There's a step that we need to take in our relationship with the Lord, in our connection to the Lord. As I remain in Him, as I abide in Him, what's going to come out of me is going to be fruit. And that is a responsibility that I have to not just hide this fruit, but to bear it, to use it, and for others to see. There are some branches, I said this I think week two, there are some branches that need to start talking about the vine that they're connected to. And that's bearing fruit. And we have this responsibility. I really want you to go back and look at those two weeks where we talked about what the fruit really is. He offers the gift of life for every person. Every person. He offers his gift of life, but sadly, some of us will not accept it. Some will, but some won't. So how? If I'm finding myself to be a dead branch, how? How do I, set, how do I attach myself to the vine? I'm glad you asked that question. Good question, isn't it? Great question. There's this thing called salvation. And many of you have heard this message, this gospel message before, that he absolutely loves you. With not just a superficial, scratch-the-surface type of love, he deeply loves you. And he genuinely, genuinely desires to be in a relationship with you. I love this passage. He says, if you remain in me, and I, I will remain in you. If you abide in me, I'm going to abide in you. Well, how does that happen? It happens through simply understanding the love of God, 
the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for your sins so that you would not spend eternity in hell, but you would spend eternity in heaven. And it's not just that eternal life that is at the end of our days. It's eternal life that happens now. It's a piece of understanding and knowing that my eternity is sealed, that I'm good with God, and that He loves me. And that we who are wanting to be abiding Christians, maybe we are finding ourselves dead branches right now, that I simply need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, and that three days later that he rose again from that grave, that borrowed tomb, three days later he rose again, and is now seated on the right hand of the throne of God. He conquered sin and death so that I could skip death. How amazing is that? How do I receive this free gift of God? How do I do that? Because it's an amazing gift. It simply says, I will take care of your eternity if you will simply confess and believe. You will confess with your mouth that you will believe in your heart, Romans 10. That if I simply believe in my life, in my heart, Jesus, I believe you love me so much that you are taking the penalty for my sin. And God, I repent. I'm sorry for that sin. I don't want that sin in my life. And I'm turning it over to you. So God, would you please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and be Lord or be boss of my life. And it's in that prayer of confession and belief in your heart that God saves you. That's the biblical word saved, right? Saved from what? Saved from death, eternal death and hell. And this is the simple gospel message. And so the ask is simply this. One, will you repent? Change the direction of your life? Will you believe that Jesus died for you? And will you open your mouth and speak a word, a prayer, of faith, of belief that says, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and my life. I want you to be number one. If that's you tonight, you can be made alive, grafted into the vine and connected to Jesus right here, right now. I genuinely, genuinely love you enough to tell you the gospel message, the truth. I don't want any person in this room under the sound of my voice or those who are going to listen to this to weeks to come. I don't want you ever to understand or to believe that you're destined for hell. Y'all, I don't want anybody in this room to go to hell. Not one. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to share the gospel as best and as clearly as I can to give every one of us that opportunity to trust him as Lord and Savior of our lives. And so the invitation is simple. Is there anybody in this room right here, right now, that hears that message and says, you know what, Steve, I've never prayed that prayer of belief. Oh, I've been attending church for all these times, but I've never truly prayed that prayer. Maybe tonight's the night that you would do it. Maybe there's someone here tonight that simply would say, Steve, I'm going to pray it right now. I'm going to take care of business. And so I want to invite all of us, all of us to think about. I think the response to this message is twofold. One, am I living a life of surrender? Have I really chosen to abide in Jesus? And that's for the believers. Are you willing to re-engage or come to the deeper understanding of who you truly are connected to. And then two, maybe some of us just need to 
Make that decision final tonight and say yes to him. Y'all, I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to live a life, an abundant life that I know to be true in my 49 years. I know to be true and I know to be right. And that is knowing Jesus and abiding in him. Number two is God is just, by the way. Sorry. Number two, takeaway is God is just. He's going to deal with our sin. He's going to deal with us. Those dead branches that are sitting on the side. And in his justness, in his justice, it is the love of God that he would deal with us. And deal with sin, period. Just deal with sin. The nature of sin. 